Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, one of my favorite stores is going to start testing multiple price points. I'm going to tell you what they're up to and why I don't like it at all in today's Clark Rage. And I don't even know what to say about this college bribery scandal that hit me in the gut so hard I could not even fathom, I could not imagine that parents who are wealthy, who own investment houses, who are actors, whatever, uh, because a huge number of people have been caught already and who knows how many others there are that were paying bribes of hundreds of thousands of dollars or more to buy admission for a son or daughter into what they considered to be a top-tier university. And millions in bribes overall paid. There are eight supposedly elite universities involved, a bunch of college employees and coaches that were part of the fix to get people in and return for bribes. And this is shocking. There are a lot of things in this as I've tried to process it in my own mind, and you may have other reactions to it. First, we got something really wrong in the country where elites feel that whatever they want can be purchased legal or not. Second, these kids, as they find out, they didn't get into a school on merit. The parent who thought they were doing something great for them, they've really messed up that kid. And I know there's always a certain amount of privilege or advantage that goes to a wealthy child with the access to maybe private schools, tutors, whatever it is, the innate inherent advantages that already exist then try to cheat the system to buy a kid in is wrong on every possible level. But there's something that I think is another part of this story as well. This obsession that I hear from high schoolers, that a lot of it is not pressure coming from their parents necessarily. It can be, but a lot of it is coming from the teenager himself or herself. This idea that they're nothing if they don't get into this it school or that it school or the other it school. We are setting kids up for failure. We're setting kids up for unhappiness. And perfection is an impossible standard in life. But there's something deeper, too. You know, nobody... I have both an undergraduate degree and a master's degree. And nobody ever, except an idle conversation, ever asks me where I went. Nobody cares about that stuff. I mean, maybe at your first job interview, people care. And maybe people want to see you wear your Harvard tie. Is there such a thing? Anyway, that was a line from a movie. But... 
what matters is what you do with the education you get. I went to a directional college for grad school. If you're not familiar with that term, it's when it'll be the University of something um, Northeast or, uni- or West this or South that or whatever. And I know people who were my contemporaries who went to name schools. Who cares? What matters is what you do in that classroom and what you do after you're out of that school with your life. I shared a story last year on the air about a young woman I met who had been accepted to Stanford University and a couple of other of the nation's most elite schools. She also got full free ride scholarships. It was a really, really bright, articulate, ambitious young woman. She also got full free ride scholarships at colleges that snobs might think of as second tier. She did not go to Stanford. She didn't go to either of the other two elite schools she was accepted at because with them, she would have had to have borrowed enormous amount of money, not from a wealthy family, and she instead took her full free ride and went through school that way. And she's doing great, by the way, in her, I think she's, I'd guess she's in her late 20s, doing extremely well. So I would encourage you as a parent, if you have a son or daughter on the hamster wheel who feels like they're only going to amount to something if they get into this, that, or the other school, that you as a parent, because a lot of times you think your teenager's not listening to you just because they do the eye roll, doesn't mean they've tuned you out. They're just pretending they've tuned you out. Help them relieve some of that pressure. I'm not saying be a kid without ambition. But I'm saying be a a young person who doesn't wind yourself so tight that you believe the only way you're going to get ahead in life is if you get into this particular place or this particular program or this honors this or that advance that or whatever. You know, to really be happy in life, you have to have balance in your life. And this fixation on the top 25, Four schools, isn't it? I forget what the number is of the, the elite universities in the United States, is unhealthy and unhelpful. Michael's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michael. Hi, Clark. It's such an honor to be on your show. I've been a longtime listener. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely, Michael. And you are yet another caller talking about how you found a bank that's better than a credit union, at least in your situation. Right. So thanks to your advice, um, while we do have, I admit, a mega monster bank for just sort of the regular checking my my wife likes to do, uh, we've been putting away uh, money in a credit union because of your advice and getting services there. But it's really was a rainy day fund. I didn't want it mixing in with other things. But then when I heard you uh, suggest taking an online bank, we... um, started to invest more money in those, even though it's not a lot, it started to grow over the last uh, few uh, years. And I'm now faced with 
consider, I mean, quite a few thousand dollars in one and quite a few thousand dollars in another. And I'm just now confused. Should I be shifting the proportions or closing one down and just going entirely the other way? So I was thought that you could give me some good advice on how to balance that. All right. So right now, credit unions are not competitive with the online banks. The, what you can earn on savings in the online banks, just in a simple savings account, is from about 2.25 to about 2.5%. I mean, without even trying hard, you can earn 2%. And the credit unions, although they pay an interest rate generally seven times what a bank pays, on a traditional bank pays on average in savings, it's still a fraction of what you can do in an online bank. So I would say the, the reason you're a member of a credit union is because it's a co-op and it's there by and for its members, but they haven't been mm-hmm. able to keep up on the savings side. So I would move your savings overwhelmingly into the online bank. But I would, I, I would leave it just enough behind so that you can remain a member in good standing with the credit union. This is a temporary phase we're in, I think, where you can earn so much more in a non-branch kind of bank. Well, thank you very much. I think I'm going to uh, take care of that uh, right away. So even though I'm just going to be keeping a minimum to be a member, that's just to remain active, and there's no real benefit to keeping it in uh, in the uh, credit union. That's what Not I'm unless there's a trigger point where you have to have like a, a token amount larger than the minimum so that you still earn uh a decent amount of interest. You know, you may fall below a certain point. They just don't pay you any interest at all on the balance and the savings. And the one change I'd love, since you're making that change, I'd love for your wife to really reconsider having her checking account at one of the Giant Monster Mega Banks. Because the thing is with the four Giant Monster Megas, it's only a matter of when they're going to mess with your life, not if they're going to mess with your life. So the convenience of online banking is everywhere now. There's no reason to stay with a giant monster mega. Frank is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Frank. How are you? Hey, Clark. Good afternoon. I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my question. Certainly, Frank. Okay. uh, My question is uh, concerns a, I guess, terminology called the dark web. Uh, when I log into my uh, credit card, specifically Discover, they have a security alert and they say, send me your social security number and we'll see if it's on the dark web. Now, I know Discover card is a legitimate website and uh, they didn't send me an email. Uh, so it's not a scam. It sounds, but I don't, it sounds ominous. What is the dark web and should I be having them check for me, check my social security. So the dark, dark. let me explain what the dark web is first. Okay. Okay. So the dark web is a term for areas on the internet where criminals trade in a variety of things. And in the context of this, they're trading in people's private information on, on various forums. People trade uh, social security numbers. They trade active credit card numbers, and based on uh, on the particular supply and demand of things, those items move up and down in price. Because of the massive Equifax data breach, the yeah. cost of buying 
somebody's social security number on the internet is now down to pennies, where it used to be something that was really worth a lot. But the supply of available social security numbers is so massively large with Equifax spilling two out of three adult social security numbers approximately that it's just out there. And I would go on the expectation that if you were to do use the Discover Card service and do a dark web search, you would find that your information is out there. So the question I would ask you is, have you done a credit freeze? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you've done a credit freeze, what a criminal would be able to do with your social security number on the quote unquote dark web is uh, there is some mischief they might get into, but not enough that I would lose sleep over that. Okay. And even in the event that your credit card numbers are compromised, either your Discover card or any other card you have, your liability is generally zero in the event a criminal is using your number that's been compromised. So I don't want you to get too paranoid here because you've already done by far the most important thing, which is credit freeze and good for you. Yeah, all three of them, in fact, all three credit uh, reports I've done are free. In fact, I did it quite long ago because I'm over 65 and it was free then at your age. Yeah, now it's free for anybody. And unfortunately, most Americans still have not done a credit freeze, leaving you vulnerable to a criminal causing real havoc in your life. Today's Clark Rageous moment is an, a clear example that a dollar doesn't buy what it used to. Dollar Tree, the huge everything's a dollar chain that even has on a lot of its stores a sign saying everything's a dollar is now going to test in an undetermined number or undisclosed number of stores breaking the buck where they are going to sell items at a dollar or more. And the whole concept that the branding of Dollar Tree is so simple. You know you walk in, anything you want's a buck, right? But because of two factors, inflation and the second being the tariffs, it's hard for them to stay at a dollar on a lot of the items they have. And I, as somebody who's so into math, I just have this memory where I remember how many ounces an item is or how many uh, units of whatever it is that I'm getting for a dollar, and I've watched them shrink. The toothpaste I buy has gone from 7.2 ounces a tube to 5.5 ounces. Uh, candy I like has gone from 6 ounces to 5.5 to 5, and I'm seeing that kind of trend through the store. But I would rather see them stay right there at $1. They're Western competitor, 99 cent only stores. No longer things are 99 cent only. They're all different prices. How can you call yourself 99 cents only and charge all different price points beyond just 99 cents? And so you feel ripped off when you get up to the register and something rings up at 299 and you thought, well, I thought it was a dollar. Well, 99 cents. And now Dollar Tree going to test the same thing. So to you, Dollar Tree folks, I mean, it's your business, and you must know what you're doing at your business. 
as a consumer, as a shopper, I think it's Clark Rageous that you would take something that you've built up so much brand equity in for so long and start experimenting away from a buck. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. By the way, if you have a question for me to go on the air, just go to clark.com slash ask, post your question, and there's a little checkbox you click if you would like to ask your question on the air. And so we'd love to have you ask whatever it is that's on your mind. We offer many ways for you to get answers to your questions, including off-air advice from our team, Clark Consumer Action Center, a service of our show since 1993, where you can get free off-the-air advice over 40 hours each week. You can either post uh, clark.com slash ask to get on the air to get advice off the air, or you can call in over 40 hours each week and talk with a member of our team. Uh, there's new information just in on the Max Jet, the 737 that has been in two very suspicious crashes slightly over four months apart. A new aircraft, a new design, of which there are very few flying in the world, relatively speaking. You know, the U.S. government blew it on the MAX. I mean, no doubt that they blew this completely. And now, belatedly, the MAX is grounded in the United States. Essentially, the MAX is grounded worldwide as it should have been because of the information coming out, even preliminary information, about either a design, structural, or software issue that has made this new version of the 737 unsafe. Now, what you need to know is that if you are a United American or Southwest customer, the three airlines in the United States that fly the MAX, and you're flying in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be not a major scramble, but a little bit, and most of us don't even know what kind of plane we're booked on. Pay close attention to emails from the airline with information about your flight, because it may involve your flight being totally canceled instead of replaced with a different kind of equipment, and you have to Make sure you show up when your new flight is going to be. If the flight they've offered you is one you don't like, you insist on an alternate time, an alternate flight to get to where you're going. And we will get to an answer, and ultimately the plane will have changes made to it that will make it safe. And it's only a matter of where we are today to when we get to eventual that is this very rough, awkward time in between that financial interest should take a back seat to safety. Bradley's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bradley. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Bradley. How can I be of service to you today? Um, so I, I uh, basically have a question about um, I'm, I own my own business and um, we're in our third year of, we own a gourmet kitchen store, retail store. Um, so we're, and, and then also I've started a lawn business and, um, and, and the lawn business is going to take a while to build a clientele 
uh, it's going to be All right. Wait, wait, wait. You are an incredible entrepreneur. You're already <laughs> running one business, and it's like, one isn't enough. I got to start another one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I like like to stay busy. <laughs> so, um, and our, so our, I'm starting this lawn business, but it's going to be a bit before I build my clientele up. Um, so basically my question was, I, I own my home outright. I'm 37 years old. Um, I don't owe anything, uh, minimal student, uh, loans, $1,500, uh, minimal credit card debt, maybe $3,000. Um, and then I have a vehicle payment, which is 20,000. Um, it'll be paid off in a couple of years. Our other vehicles paid for. Um, I was just curious. Uh, things are a little slow to store just because the weather, the winter's been rough. Um, you know, we're, we we pay a pretty good amount of rent to be where we're at. Um, I was just curious, um, should I maybe think about um, a home equity loan to kind of get us through this interim before the, the lawn business kind of takes off? All right. So this is weird for me to say, but my preference is, as most small business owners do, is that you look instead at using a credit card to tide you over on the cash flow issues you have with the business where the business is slowed. Okay. Because even though the interest rate will be higher than it would be on, and you wouldn't be doing a home equity loan in the circumstance you described, you'd be doing a home equity line. The, mm-hmm. the interest rate on that home equity line would be much lower than it would be on the credit cards. But the okay. problem is you're putting your house at risk. Uh-huh. And that's a risk. You're already entrepreneurial enough. You don't want to be in a position where you put all this at risk for a business. And then in addition, uh, if let's say things don't go great with the two businesses, you don't have those anymore, and then you lose your house, too. Okay. So I'd rather you uh, do it that way. Now, there's also an alternative. Since you've been operating your business for a while, you're probably getting mailers from these business-to-business lenders. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interest rates they offer are generally not outstanding, and many of them aren't real forthcoming on the interest rates. But okay. it, it is possible. Are you getting those offers I'm talking about in the mail? Um, I'd have to check with my wife. She kind of goes. She takes care of all the, you know, everything we get in the mail, and so I could ask her on that. Because I get them virtually every week. I'm getting these mailers, and I love reading them because they talk about how quickly I can have funds to deal with cash flow for my company, but they never talk about the interest rates. And because right. because they're not consumer loans, they don't have to be fully forthcoming but even whatever borrowing you do as a business you're personally liable anyway today Uh so that's why i would look at doing traditional consumer borrowing using credit cards now there is one thing i heard from you that i don't want to gloss over and that is you're getting ready to start the second business but things haven't been perfect for the first business right now and sounds like you've been cash flow negative through a tough winter yes Correct. I would um, be yeah. I would be very cautious starting a second business that's going to require capital in it right. if your first business is not uh, completely uh, in a, at least a break even right now. So I would I know it's a natural entrepreneur's personality to just get out there and do it, but I would I would take a deep breath before I went into 
a second business. Winona's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Winona. How are you? Hi, Clark. I'm fine. How are you today? Great. Thank you. And you are a teacher in the most difficult part of education (laughs) there's ever been. What did you do to yourself that you became a middle school teacher? (laughs) Well, uh, I could say I chose unwisely, but I love what I do. So I have to say I chose this. I chose this path. That's great, because, you know, when you talk to students after high school, they always talk about how middle school was the most difficult part of school. (laughs) And you talk to teachers, and the burnout rate, obviously, is the highest with middle school teachers. How long have you been one? Um, Over 20 years. So you're you're a keeper. You're one who loves it, and (laughs) and you love having those kids going through all those physical and emotional changes all at once right before your eyes. Exactly. It's a circus every day, so I'm never bored. (laughs) All right. Well, how can I be of service to you since you are willing to get in there and serve our kids? Well, thank you. Um, Actually, my students and I decided to contact you because they have an interesting question. Uh, Debate arose wondering if Cash App or Venmo is, which one is the best, or are there any differences in the two? And uh, we've done surveys for how many students have one of these or both of them. Some of them actually have both. Uh, Their parents have responded, and, um, of course, teachers in the building have uh, some of these apps. And so we decided to ask you. So... They all have their pluses and minuses, and I would say that um, the advantage, and you're talking about Square Cash when you talk about the Cash App? Uh, Yes. Yeah. So the advantage of Square is it makes it really easy to automatically put funds into a bank account or credit union account, and that's an advantage of it. Um, They also don't have the thing Venmo has, which is this weirdo social... Uh, media kind of thing tied in with it. Okay. So if I were making a choice between the two, I would say Square Cash, but they're both great at what they do. But I also have a real bias because your student body, the students you're talking about are uh, 11 to 14 years old. Is that about where they are? Yes, they are. I still love cash. Like uh, this thing that... uh, that a lot of people don't know still exists, but it right. like the $1 bill, which is what I have mostly of, has a picture of this guy named George Washington on it. Exactly. And uh, it's good for all debts, uh, public and private, whatever it says, legal tender. Oh, I'll read it. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. And yeah. although it's not really true since there are places that won't accept cash anymore, But I feel that one thing that's really true with uh, teenagers and preteens is that you don't sense the finiteness of money when it's just an electronic transaction on a smartphone. You are right, yes. So I would say that the, the students didn't ask this question, but the answer to the question is boring old cash. (laughs) But as an alternative, I would say that I prefer square cash and again congratulations to you that you love teaching middle schoolers 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you go to clark.com slash ask and post a question. We got multiple ways to answer them, including where Joel asks your question for you. Clark, we actually have a question about a different Square product, and Debbie wrote in. She says, it's Girl Scout cookie season. What's the best way for a troop to take payments at a cookie booth since not many people carry cash anymore? We're currently using Square, but the fees are 2.75%. Yeah, so Square and its competitor product that PayPal has and others have, 2.75 is pretty much the marker point. And although that sounds expensive, when you consider that a Girl Scout cookie box, I think they $4? I think they're 4 this year. Anyway, uh, I, I was, I'm on the don't ask, don't tell list that uh, we have a lot of them that migrated into our house and I'm not allowed to know what was paid for them. But anyway, at a price point like that, 2.75 with no minimum fee or per transaction fee is reasonable. All right. And Laura says, what is your advice about purchasing home warranties? Is it worth the expense? Well, uh, I'm not a fan of the home warranties. There have been too many of these companies that have done bust outs or have not paid. You're paying a lot for an illusion that you're going to have peace of mind that usually doesn't work out, plus the restrictions on who you can use makes them a bad product. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com.